my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Welcome to the latest episode of Love Junkies. So today I am going to be talking all about what makes intimacy so hard. The ever elusive ways of connecting to others emotionally and letting people in. And what's really hard about this or what's really frustrating is sometimes we can have such a hard time letting people in and trusting them, even though all we really want is that happy um, ever after. Um, We want to be fully known. We want to feel safe, but we can't let our walls down. Sometimes it's even being intimate with ourselves to be able to admit that that's what we actually want. You know, we've been hurt so many times. We um, don't believe that it's... um, possible for us. And so we continue to just minimize what we need. And so we can't even be honest with us um, so that we can actually move forward to get what we want. Um, It's just another fancy self-protective measure. And so today I want to talk about where problems with intimacy comes from. Um, And then also give you a couple of labels to help you going forward. If you can relate to that, really wanting intimacy and to be connected or Um, and being aware of it, or even the other extreme wanting it, but pushing it down and not being honest with yourself, let me know, tag me on IG. Um, let's talk about it in a Facebook group. Um, you can find the group at blackgirlsheal.org slash group. Um, would love to hear what other people's experiences are in this journey, where you are, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And also, of course, if you find this episode helpful. So, Let's go ahead and jump in. And I want to start with what makes intimacy so hard. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coast of Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coast of Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. 
The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Costa Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit costamaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. And so there's a lot of different reasons, but I have five that I want to share with you today. So the first one is, like I said, you're afraid of getting hurt. And usually this is because you have had experiences where you have tried to trust others. You've tried to um, be vulnerable. You may have shared a part of them that you feel like you've never shared with anyone else and they took advantage of you or they still rejected you or they abandoned you um, or just maybe they cheated on you. Whatever the scenario, whatever the case, you learn that to try to get close to someone is to risk being hurt. And here's the thing about intimacy that I didn't say at the top of the episode, but is really important. Intimacy is really about emotional connection you know, intimacy. And because of that, you can have intimacy with a romantic partner. We can talk about intimacy with family members. We can talk about intimacy with friends. It really is the ability to be seen and be known. And sometimes people will find that they have problems with intimacy in just one area. So they feel like they're great with, um, letting other people see them when they're just friends. But when it comes to a romantic relationship, they, they close up. Or there's someone who struggles with intimacy all around and either is like really in your face and you can tell. So like you're someone who is kind of short with everyone or your business as usual. And, you know, people have to jump through lots of hoops for you to connect to them. And even then you probably really only let them see a little bit. And then there are some people who are on the other extreme where you might not know you struggle with intimacy because you are the life of the party. You have lots of friends. You have lots of people But that is a really sneaky way to not have to be intimate because you are so spread out between all these different people and organizations and friends and whatever it might be that you can be whoever you want to be or whatever you think your best version is. And then whenever it starts to get too close or too overwhelming, you hop to somebody else. But you don't think that you're hopping. You just think, oh, I have another brunch date here or I have a wedding here or, you know, I'm going to start networking here. It looks very functional on the outside, but it's just a way of you hiding. And you find that there's people who don't really know you. And when things really go down, you're trying to figure out, okay, who am I going to call? I can't call Stacy because I called her last time. So let me call Tabitha. Right. You feel like if you share too much with someone, either they will be sick of you and you will be a burden or it's it's too uncomfortable. So you got to spread the real you out. Does that make sense? And so our goal in helping you get the healing that you're looking for is to feel emotionally safe to be you, to no longer have to run, to be able to be around people who you don't have to fear hurt you. And even when you are around those people to not feel like you have to be guarded all the time. So that was the first thing. Um, Intimacy can be hard because we're afraid of being hurt. 
The second one is we don't even know how to do it. So what does it mean to be close? How do I know I am being close? I think I'm being vulnerable. I'm telling homeboy what I feel and what I think, and he's just not listening, right? And so here's a little pro tip for you. Um, And this doesn't apply to everybody, but I know it's going to apply to some. Being really um, angry is not the same as vulnerability. So how many of us have been in a discussion, a heated discussion, a passionate exchange, and I'm going to use romantic partners just because it's easier, with a romantic partner, and we are livid because we feel like they have hurt us, disrespected us, undervalued us, whatever it might be. And instead of us using the words, I feel hurt because I feel undervalued, we may um, make accusations and insinuations, (laughs) that's the word, about their intentions and who they are. So you did that on purpose. You know what you're doing. Um, That's why I'm just so sick of this, all of that, right? And so, yes, you're communicating that you're upset, but you're not communicating what's happening with you on the inside. You know, people can't fix um, problems where they don't actually know what the root is, right? Let me give you another example. I was watching, um, you know, I like to watch little um, videos of um, little kids on Instagram, um, like the little one minute, like, you know, kids are so funny kind of things. And so often there's, there's a clip about a little kid who's like feeling really upset and they're crying and they're crying. And the parent is like, what is going on? Like, what's wrong? And the kid just keeps crying. And the parents who are, you know, helping their kids develop this social maturity are there like guiding them with, tell me what's going on. Like, and so it'll be something like, well, I can't find my teddy bear or, Um, I just feel really sad because I haven't seen my friend or whatever it might be. But either way, once the parent is able to hear what actually is happening, then they can actually be there to solve it. Right. And so when we are in relationships and our go to is to get big and get, um, I know this isn't the case for everybody, but loud. And, and and the way that here's two extremes that a lot of us fall into. Either we can get like very explosive or we can shut down. We go into silent mode. We, we need to leave. We need to get away. But both of those are operating from the same intention. Like you are in so much pain emotionally that you are going to check out or defend yourself. You're going to fight or you're going to run away. Um, and with both of those You can't really be with the person to help the problem get fixed. And so part of learning how to be intimate with someone is learning how to communicate, is learning how to be able to stick there um, and stay in it, even when it's painful, even when you're afraid that they may not understand. And when you're with someone who is healthy, to be able to have them listen to you and value what you're saying and be there is one of the most healing things that can happen. But um, a lot of times we get in our own ways because we think we're doing it right when actually we are not. The third thing that happens um, um, is when we feel like we are giving up something or someone will have control over us. So it's hard to be intimate because we feel like if we are intimate with someone that we will be giving up our power, right? That they will have something to use over us. 
And um, of course, this scenario is easily played out sometimes in friendships, um, either real friendships or those who we consider frenemies. (laughs) But it can even happen in real friendships because there's this root belief that I can only trust people so much. So we will only give people so much to make sure that we always, it's almost like we have um, a backup plan or an exit strategy or a way to come up on top when they end up hurting us. And I say they end up hurting us instead of if they end up hurting us because we are sure that it'll happen either consciously or subconsciously. And so um, the way this works in relationships is um, basically the way that I described it with friends. We may be in really close, fun, um, otherwise happy relationships, but um, we only let them know enough because maybe we're afraid they're going to judge us or maybe we're expecting this to implode. Um, Or maybe we just learned that the way that we got to where we are right now and that we've kept ourselves emotionally sane and happy is because we learned how to keep the majority of who we are. And the thing about healthy relationships is that there's something called interdependence. And so independence in and of itself is fine. It's okay. It's, it's healthy, um, you know, to be able to do things and figure out what your feelings are and ask for them and, and take care of your needs. And then dependence actually isn't a bad thing. It, it gets a bad rap, but you know, we are all dependent in some way, right? We cannot do relationships or do life by ourselves. There are a lot of us who try. And I think those of us who try, who are listening to this, we can also communicate what are the costs of doing that. You know, when we live life solo, we live life solo. You know, we don't always have someone to call on or someone that we can trust completely because we've learned that to communicate either outwardly or just and the things that we believe that we don't need anyone. And so, and so that's reflected in our relationships and also in our emotional health. But inter, interdependence, um, well, let me say this before I just describe interdependence. Codependence is what is actually the, the really unhealthy thing. Codependence is when you cannot function and you cannot um, be happy unless someone else is happy. You know, um, this is where, you know, those of us who were the oldest in the family or even not even the oldest, you know, maybe there was mental illness, maybe there was addiction. Um, And so we became the caregiver of the house while our parents were out doing what they were doing. Um, And so we learned as being the caretaker that we got to take care of everybody. And so even though we're grown people, it can be hard to put down boundaries because we incepted and we soaked up from very early on that if other people aren't right, we have something to do with that, you know? Um, and even for those of us who have parents, again, who were mentally ill or physically ill, even, you know, cancer or any of those things, or um, of course addictions. And if those parents depended on us to take care of them, Um, And we're like direct about it and all of that stuff. Again, even as adults, we can feel like, well, if I tell them no, then it's going to be my fault if they don't feel as good or if they don't take their meds or if they have a blow up. And those things are not the case. And 
I'll talk about codependence more in a later episode, but I just wanted to give you an idea of what's healthy and what's not healthy. But what interdependence is, is where you're able to balance both being independent and knowing who you are and loving yourself and being connected to yourself and also being dependent on someone else. It is healthy to have connections. It is healthy to want more from someone else. It is healthy to ask, hey, can you be here for me? And somewhere along the way, we learned that that was weakness. We learned that that was just setting ourselves up for disappointment. And we learned that um, it's actually not ideal, especially when I think about a lot of um, examples in popular popular um, culture, you know, when I think about our reality shows and whether it's like love and hip hop or, uh, you know, housewives or whatever it might be, you know, it's, it's examples of people who operate in these extremes. Either they're super independent and they don't need nobody or they are codependent and there's a way to have a happy medium. Um, and in codependence, just as a caveat, um, you know, the, being a ride or die, when it affects your mental and emotional and spiritual and physical safety, any of those domains, when it is constantly at risk and you're with a partner who does not care, um, you know, I'm sorry is different than being repentant and changing actions and trying. But a partner that exploits that that is an example of codependence. That is not an example of a healthy relationship where there is mutual give and take. And so keep that in mind when you are trying to um, imagine or understand what is interdependence, okay? So that is number three. Number four of why, why is intimacy so hard? It can feel too easy. So how many of us have... Um, met wonderful people, or maybe some people listening to me are already coupled or in a relationship and you are with a great person. And one of the things that happened when you first got with them is like, this is too easy. (laughs) Um, They're calling me back. They're anticipating my needs. They're being thoughtful. They're saying, I'm sorry. What's the catch? What's the catch? There's something that's going to happen. It just feels like um, it's unnatural. This thing that we've always wanted feels like it's a trick, right? And so whenever we feel like something is a trick, we feel like we're in danger, we are going to try to protect ourselves. And so those of us who haven't worked through this to the other side, um, we may be very familiar with self-sabotaging this or just sabotaging it. So this could be trying to find something, um, you know, and of course, you know, sometimes, sometimes things are the case. Sometimes we get with people who um, are hiding who they are and are um, lacking integrity and whatever else. But I would say that probably more often than not, we can be with nice, healthy, open people and we are looking for something to be the catch, right? And so we can create something, create a reason to distance ourselves from someone who is healthy, open, vulnerable, um, and basically matches our list um, because we are just not used to being happy. And I'm going to talk in a little bit about 
where that comes from. Like, why would happiness be um, um, scary? But it is. <laughs> and so um, looking for something that's wrong, creating fights to try to test them, creating ways to try to get them to push back. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. won't. So let me just tell you something. If you are with someone who is healthy and you are constantly doing the pushing thing, a healthy person will be like, you know what? I love you, but I can't do this because they have their own self-respect. They have their their own um, internal sense of self-love. You know, they know that you can love someone, but also love yourself and then make that break. Um, and so that doesn't mean that you're right. It just means that maybe you're, you're fighting. That's something for you to look at for yourself, right? And so that, that's sometimes it can be too easy, which kind of connects back to the second one. We don't know how to be intimate. We don't know how when we meet someone who is kind, open, available, nice, friendship or otherwise, or romantic or otherwise, um, we, we can't let ourselves go. And so we either distance ourselves from it, uh, you know, so someone wants to hang out with us and they seem really nice. And I'm thinking more about like friendships now versus necessarily romantic relationships, but it could be this too. But someone seems really nice and they seem like they're so great and they want to hang out, but we're all. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Always busy, right? Or we're supposed to hang out with them and then we cancel. That's because of the fear of being close to somebody else. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with 
or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. And then the last one that I want to mention was we are used to things starting up strong and fizzling out. And so intimacy seems unreal. So maybe it's not that you struggle with sharing who you are and being connected with people. What happens for you is that you meet people, you have instant connections, and then something happens down the road, right? So you share all of your personal stories and your intimacy, you share your intimacy. You share your secrets. Um, you share your thoughts and your feelings. You communicate. This is what I need from you. This hurt me X, Y, Z. It's really powerful. It's very intense. And then either they disappear or you have a big fight. Um, and then you're no longer friends anymore. So just as powerful as at the beginning, it's just as explosive at the end. And so what you've learned is, yeah, I can be intimate with people, but it just doesn't last. So I'm either going to ride the wave and I'm just going to keep doing this and then hope that I meet the one or it'll work out one day for those of us who are hopeless romantics and we just, you know, keep on plugging. And for some of us, we did this for so long that we are extra careful. And then when we do, um, or if we do, some of us choose not to be intimate because we're trying to protect ourselves to be from being hurt. But once we do decide to be intimate, it's fast and it's intense, just like it was before. And the same thing happens. So we're kind of um, kind of put out and, and at a loss of, well, then what does this mean? Where does this come from? And so um, as crazy as it may sound, there is such a thing as false intimacy. And it can be pretty confusing because within false intimacy, you're still, you're doing all the things that in healthy intimacy you're supposed to do, right? So again, communicating what you think, communicating what you need, sharing who you are, um, not trying to be fake and pretend to be something or someone that you're not. But the reason why it is um, false is because this intense connection happens so fast um, it, it, it is in a way where, um, you know, true healthy relationships take time to grow. Now there are definitely people who, you know, meet and they instantly quote unquote, no, but as far as building that healthy mutual given exchange of trust, that takes time. That takes getting to know people through all of the different seasons, to know who they are, to see how they react in certain situations, to see if they're true to their word, to see how they treat their friends and how they treat waiters and how they treat their mothers and how they treat, you know. Um, so you can know everything about someone and still not know them, right? Because you haven't seen them throughout the whole lifetime. So that's where the false intimacy comes from because you haven't seen all the things. And so part of having a healthy relationship is learning how to be able to 
still to take your time and giving everything to someone um, and still be comfortable, right? Um, and so now I think I'm going to transition a little bit more into the why all of this happens, but I'll give a little peek right here. Sometimes we can be the ones who are so, so free and I want to say overly free with sharing everything and anything about ourselves because we have this desperate need to be seen and be loved. And so we are accustomed or there's a pattern inside of us that if we meet someone who we think we want to love or we want them to love us, we will give everything and just hope that they receive it and, um, and reciprocate. But that is part of a codependent and an unhealthy dependence on someone else to validate all that you are, to hold all that you are, and to give it back with the same intensity that you're giving to them. It's never, even when you are in a healthy partnership or friendship or family relationship, they are never meant to be your everything. They can be your best friend. They can be a soulmate, but they are not your everything. They are not your God. And when we make people our God, we are going to constantly be disappointed, right? Our true love and self-acceptance comes from within. And for those of us who don't know what that means, or we think that we have been trying to do that, but we still keep doing these other things that I listed here or things that maybe I didn't list, but um, have come to mind as you're listening to this is because there is a root need that we haven't been able to verbalize or get to. Um, and so we're using um, relationships to cope or we're using relationships to hide or we're hiding who we are. So some of you may be listening to this and are like, wow, this is totally me. And um, this is so close to what I've been going through or this is what I'm going through. And I need to know how to get control of my emotions or at least be able to communicate healthily to people or um, just tolerate being close to someone. And I just don't know why um, I know these things logically, but I can't get over the hump. And so um, we go all of that and more in the signature course. And so just go ahead and stay connected. Um, so that you know when um, the doors are reopened. And so that's our signature course about relationships to help you not only learn how to be in healthy relationships and partnerships and what is healthy versus what is emotionally dependent and how do I actually make that bridge once I know what that is, because I think I know what that is already, but I can't do it. Um, And all of those things that's all covered. And so even though we won't get into that today, I just want you to know that that resource is available. So I'm going to give you a couple of different um, examples of how these things may happen to us. Like where did this come from? Black Girls Heal is all about um, giving you, helping you connect to understanding where these things come from so that you can actually finally solve it. Um, So I'm just going to give you a couple of ideas. So You know, our first people that we get to know are mother, father, or mother, mother, or father, father, depending what um, the makeup of our family was. Um, And of course, those of us who were raised by grandparents and aunts, but whatever it is, the adults around us were our first examples of connection and intimacy. 
And so if we were in households where we're used to being um, emotionally abandoned or even physically abandoned, then uh, those patterns of mistrust occur. And so some of the ones that mostly come to mind when I say things like that are like mother or father left the house. Abandonment can also be if mother or father are mentally ill or addicted to a substance. You know, they they are not able to give us emotionally what we need, or maybe they're not willing to give us what they what we need. So maybe they are narcissists, or maybe they are more concerned with the girlfriend or boyfriend that they are with, or step parents that they are married to, and so there's a constant choosing something outside of us um, if we're part of a sibling group or outside of me as their daughter. And so as little girls, we learned how to take care of ourselves um, and to not depend on others. And so, but the process that that happens is, you know, children, we come out, we need, we want to connect, we are open. And so it is every single child in the world from here to Timbuktu will reach out to a caregiver, will ask to be comforted when they're upset. They will go to them for protection and support just automatically. And if those caregivers are not able to respond to us or say, sit down or shame us for our feelings, um, we start to internalize and we, and we take that in. And so the process that we learn to stop asking is typically really painful. Um, and we learn just like we learn that the sky is blue and we learn whatever language that we that we have and we learn how to tie our shoes. It also becomes ingrained in us that asking for stuff is bad. Or if I do ask for stuff, pain is going to follow. And that just becomes the way that we see the world. Right. And I'm also going to say, you know, there are some of us that will listen to that and be like, but I but that was not my childhood, you know, Um Either I had a two-parent home or I had a one-parent home, but, you know, my mother and my father was very um, present and they were there for me and, you know, um, it was fine. So I don't know why I feel this way. Um, I have never been able in all of my years of doing this and all the people that I've helped, um, I don't know your situation. I don't know your story. But what I will say is for every person that has told me that, I've never found one person who, when we started talking about what it was actually like for them as a little girl, that there wasn't something that they felt that they just called normal that was actually pretty, pretty hurtful for them. So, um, for example, if we grow up in a home where we have everything that we need, right? Parents come to football and basketball games and um, we have food on the table, we have clothes and we have access. Um, if we have parents who work all the time, you know, what a child needs is emotional and physical connection and presence, right? And so even though they might be there for the highlights, not being there in the middle um, and maybe feeling lonely or maybe feeling like you don't have a right to ask for access, that can be an example of feeling some emotional neglect. Um, and I can give multiple other examples. We actually go into this in um, our course about relationships, um, which is why I'm only giving a little bit because I don't want to like give you all the lessons here on the on the podcast. Also because I can't hit everybody's story or adequately help you, which is 
what I do do as part of the course um, in our in our Facebook group and in our live lessons, our live Q and A's. But um, but what it is is we can grow up with parents that are so wonderful that we as children, because we are the bomb as children, and we just we just love them, right? Um, and we try to figure out how to make them happy and make us happy, but make them happy first. What happens is we can try to convince ourselves that um, we don't really need what we need. And so again, I could go into that more, but um, part of the healing process, and also let me say this, because we feel like if we admit that we needed something that we didn't get or that something actually hurt our feelings, then that means we're ungrateful. It means that we're betraying them. And that's not the case. And so part of the process um, that we help you go through in the course is not only getting over that fear of naming it in case that's the case for you, um, but also like, what do you do with that emotion? Like, how do you reconcile that? You know, how can you... um, move forward and not feel like you are being a really ungrateful or bad daughter. Um, And then also apply that to relationships. Um, So what does this mean for your, for you as an adult? So all things that we get into. And that's why it's important that when you are going through this work that you do both the external and the internal, you know, if I just did the external and I learned dating strategies and I read books about how to communicate and be in charge of my emotions, but I never got at the root cause of why I'm afraid and why I'm so anxious and why intimacy is so painful. Doesn't matter how many strategies I learned, I'm going to keep going back to that automatic fear um, because we don't want to be hurt and that's okay and that's normal. And if I do all this um, internal work via therapy and other things, but I don't learn how to communicate and how to tolerate being in a healthy, committed relationship and practicing connecting with others, you know, then I'm just going to be a really great um, person all by myself, (laughs) but not really knowing how to invite other people into this healing that I've experienced. So it's important that we do both. But, um, you know, for this episode, I know I mentioned at the top that I was going to go over what makes intimacy hard and then talk about um, examples of intimacy disorders. But I think I'm going to make that a part two. This this episode had a lot in it. You got you heard five things or five reasons why intimacy can be hard. And so, again, I would love to hear what came up for you. That's it. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.